Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where the great Karnak tells you the answer, which is, it depends. And the question is, is there a difference between magic and psionics? Am I casting a spell or am I focusing my mind? Or both? Or neither. Am I asking the crystal for help? Or the magic eight ball? Or the magic crystal skull? Yeah. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. Uh, this week we are talking about, uh, you know, in your game, if you're a game developer, what, you know, uh, what is the difference between psionics and um, and magic? Okay, because uh, as I say, it can, you know, it can be pretty much the same thing, or it can be wildly different. Uh, now, uh, we had. Uh, an episode, episode 14 of this podcast, uh, like what, 13 years ago? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where we talked about having magic and psionics in your game. Okay. It was followed up in episode 265 and 266, um, where we talked about uh, what happens to your world if suddenly psionics wasn't there and then suddenly it's revealed that it's there. How does that change things? How does that change governments? How does it change the legal system? Things like that. So those are all those three episodes, uh, which you can find up on our site. Uh, just type into the, the, the little search bar, uh, Psy, and you'll get those three episodes and you can check that out. But we figured after we've been doing this now for over 13 years, so heading up to, you know, 600, past 680 episodes, that maybe, you know, we changed our perspective, maybe got a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, more interesting things to say about it. So we are returning to that topic to discuss that very, you know, I don't want to say burning because that's only one type. <laughs> That very uh, penetrating, uh, it's probably a better term, uh, question of psionics and magic. You know, is it, you know, is it, is it uh, one of those um, uh, uh, peanut butter and chocolate situations or is it completely different? So I think the first question is, why do you want psionics in your game, in your game world? What do they bring to your campaign world? Uh, Jonathan? Well, it kind of. If I'm wanting to call it psionics, that means I'm I'm either wanting magic in a sci-fi setting, um, or I'm wanting something that has a very distinctive feel from magic. If I'm doing something a little bit more modern, I probably won't even call it psionics if I'm in a fantasy setting. Because mm -hmm. um, as far as I'm concerned, magic and psionics can be the exact same thing just with a different label and you know depending on the the set decorations around you so to speak so like what uh phil folio said in um uh oh i uh what's what's new you know 
where he said, you know, one guy, you've got the wizard, he says, I banish thee to the into nothingness by the power of the great master Asgul. And the other guy says, you know, brandishes his, his weapon and says, eat hot photons, sucker! <laughs> it's very okay. similar, yeah. Are, are, are we not achieving, the thing is, are we not achieving the same ends? You know, yeah. it, it's, is it really the same? Okay, so, but anyways. Uh, but as I'm assuming, but to, to answer the question, though, if assuming we're talking about a, a modern setting or a setting where I do want no, magic no, any, and any setting you want. Yeah. Okay, well, any like I said, the, then. The, the, the game designer wants. Yeah. But I'm just saying is that if you, you know, you know, when you say I want to have psionics in my game, in my game setting, okay, I, I know we're not just, we're not defining it yet, okay? But I'm saying, but when you say that, what are you saying? What 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 are you actually trying to do in your game design? To me, psionics would be a system or a, a mechanism for performing wondrous effects without an inordinate uh, expenditure of resources, if that makes sense. So okay. No. Oh, okay. Sure. Like blowing up a wall without having to, you know, pull out a cannon. Okay. Go, go, go to you, Trav. What, you know, what, you know, what do you think Sionics brings to a campaign world? A different means to an end for, you know, like Jonathan said, instead of using a cannon, I use telekinesis, but also let's say you were in a fantasy world and magic has been your, how can I put this? your means of exhibiting extraordinary abilities and you wanted to do something different. You wanted to have, okay, everybody does, you know, this version here, but now there's this. Yes, there are many similarities, but here are some new things that will throw something new into the mix. Yeah, you have detect thoughts. Yeah, telepathy. Oh, you, you know, telekinesis, but let's say you have this new power that would come up in there and you're as a game designer, you're wanting to throw something into the mix and keep the players on their toes. Right. A new way of doing things with potentially new possibilities. Let's put it. Okay. Down. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is that you're the game designer is trying to bring in a, a protected group uh, protected from the sense of, you know, the narrative of, uh, of people that have abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Yeah, I mean, you you can, I mean, I, I was doing it more along the lines of something new, and I mean, you could have it if but the that campaign... that would be new. Well, I yeah, mean, if you it, had... Up till then, every, you know, if, you know, if up to then all you had were fighting men and monsters, you know, or fighting men and aliens, or, you know, or or mechanics, or as you, as you put it, you know, uh, 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 artillerists, okay, and then all of a sudden you bring in somebody who has abilities that transcend what people are supposed to be able to do, then that's the intent, right? That's It's mm -hmm. to shake up the concept of what the world is and what reality is, really. Yeah. Okay, what you, you know, so you have, and things... And if you do it later than than always been that way, then things like the ways that people have been dealing with tactical situations or other things, yeah, uh, 
suddenly those all get thrown up in the air because suddenly there's there's been a sea change and the protections that have been there are now no longer there. And secrets that may have been been safe are no longer safe. In, and any you know number of things that are going on, there's huge questions that get brought up by the introduction of powers of any kind, right? Oh yeah, if you had your you know secrets kept you know just oh and there are files and all this and we only have a select few that can remember them, all of a sudden you have things like telepathy and remote viewing that you know you could scan somebody from miles or even hundred miles away. And they don't know they're being scanned. And yeah, right. you, yeah, it totally Th- just opens thousands up. Thousands of miles, actually. There, yeah. there was that whole project in the 60s where they were trying to find people that could read, you know, Russian documents in the middle of the world. Oh, oh, what was that? I want to say MK Ultra, I think was the name of it. Something like that. Well, yeah, project yeah, yeah. Stargate. The the Men Who Stare at Goats is another yeah. movie that comes to mind concerning that with uh, George Clooney. Yeah. But no, um, no, psionics definitely, it, it throws everything in the air and just, you know, throws it to the wind because it can totally change, but it could also disrupt the status quo of the setting. Right. So, yeah, when you add something like that, then, you know, the, now, you know, it, it, if you add it to a world in which there isn't anything like that, then it's a huge change, as I yeah. just mentioned, okay? If instead you add it to a world that has uh, uh, magic, as in, like, quote, spellcasters, or uh, people who can perform miracles at the behest of their gods, then psionics isn't going to cause this an enormous change that, you know, that we just talked about. It's, that's where it's kind of like, I think what you were talking about, Jonathan, where it's more of a, uh, it's not a flavor, but it's, it's a, it's an attempt to um, uh, segregate powers into groups uh, and in some ways limit those groups by doing so. It depends. Like, um, one thing that just came to my mind was if you've read the um the Belgariad by David and Lee Eddings. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you have a system of magic. Well, you have a, a few systems of magic, but the two main ones they sh- they show are like priests, you know, performing, you know, miracles for their gods. And then you had the sorcerers, but I would argue that the sorcerers were just powerful psychics who could bend reality with their will. They didn't require you know, teaching, they didn't require, you know, any special rituals. They just had to learn how to focus their will strong enough to accomplish whatever reality bending feat they wanted to do. Right. And okay. so it, it, it can be an entirely new and separate form of, of magic, or it can, like you said, it can just be another, like, you know, school of magic and maybe has slightly different ways it works and stuff like that. Right. And and I would t- I would say that people who want to bring psionics into their game do not want that. They don't want it just to be another brand of magic. Not if they're going all the way out of the way to to actually call it psionics unless it's right. Right. unless it's right. already a part of your magic system and 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 it's just another school like divination and yeah, evocation they, and stuff like that. Kind of like a Pathfinder how they have psychic magic but mm-hmm. in in the Pathfinder rules but there's third party stuff where it is psionics. It is different. Yeah. It has its own disciplines like 
magic has schools. Right. Yeah. It just depends on what you would want. Right. And, you know, what sometimes makes it, you know, and, and you know, and, and we talked about this, this is sometimes being done in the game for two, for a couple of reasons. One reason is what's called, you know, uh, character protection. Okay. Meaning that I make a character up and I don't want anyone else to be like my character because then it basically takes away some of the uniqueness of my character. Uh, and that's because in most games, there's a mechanistic aspect to the game where, you know, your powers and things are more important than who you are and who, where you came from. Yeah. You know, it's your personality and your backstory and your motivations are much less important than the things you can do. Okay. So, you know, this character protection is, can be really important and a lot of games subvert it. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and we'll talk about that in a second, okay? Uh, but, uh, so, you know, if, if for example, you, you, we just talked about you had, um, you have the, the people performing miracles, okay? And, uh, and that has to be defined in a certain way. And then you've got the people that are casting spells, okay? And I'm doing air quotes when I say that, all right? And they have certain abilities that are different you know, they are distinctly different than the um, uh, than than the people doing miracles, and and it it it. I think I personally think that it needs to be more than well. Your origin of your power comes from something completely different, so it makes it completely different. And I'm like, ah, I don't really see that, you know. And then the third thing is, as you said, these powers of the mind, psionics. Okay. You know, and it needs to be completely different than the spell casting. Okay, it doesn't need to be. I'm saying is, you know, I think that when you do make that, then the people who play those characters, okay, are going to have the most satisfaction because they know their character is unique compared to, you know, there's at least an attempt to to protect their their character concept in the in character design and in game design. Okay, you know, now there are a lot of games, uh, and D and D is one of the the worst offenders. Okay, because uh, you know there are these massive spell lists, and each of these different types of spell casters, for example, and religious casters. Okay, uh, they all draw from pretty much the same list. So uh, because of that, you know you. Even though you, you you theoretically say, well, I get my power from my God, or I get my power from this or that, you know, they're they're actually still doing the same things. And to me, that's a bad game design. Though it's okay if you want to do it. I'm just saying, is it you know because it it, it makes the characters less distinctive. I think. I okay, was you know that was something I had thought about when we would had. Uh settled on this topic was was like you know because i remember like second edition D D when they introduced the psionics you know handbook and it it was a whole new system of magic mm-hmm. essentially it was it it worked differently than the standard spellcasters it had a whole new list of you know, spells essentially that only mm-hmm. these these psionicists could use. Yeah, what was it like? Intellect, fortress, mm-hmm. tower, fire, and will. A, a lot of stuff like that. Well, that yeah. was the first yeah. edition. Yeah, 
Well, they, they, they even ported it to, I think it's even now, they've kept a lot of those. A, a lot of them kind of worked their way into the to the yeah. mainstream game, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but now in 5th edition, psionicist is just a trait uh, that certain creatures have, like mind flayers, that allow them to cast certain spells, you know, without any components or, or, or somatic uh, or verbal components, you know, they just insta-cast, which is right. neat, right. and it's a good way of doing it. And I've, I've, I've been kind of torn because I did like the idea of psionics being its whole separate thing and, and working very differently and having its mm-hmm. own abilities. But at the same time, the way D&D has been kind of moving over the past few years and becoming simpler and easier to run, I can't fault them for making it easy and basically saying, yeah, yeah let's just pull from the existing spells and it's just a new way of doing it. I, I can't right. fault that. In the original first edition, okay, the psionic optional psionic section in the back, uh, with it with the except there was only a few monsters that actually could these things be used because they were supposedly having psionic powers like the mind players and intellect devourers, yep. and 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 of course demons and devils. All right, so and and I'm saying that's not the li- the total list. I mean, probably dragons are in there too, uh, and other things, but. The point was is that when you had a battle amongst each other, as you said, it used an entirely different system than the than what they were using for regular combat and even saving throws. Um, and you you know you would basically do this fight, and it, it essentially is like this fight was happening, and people were like glaring at each other, and then one of them would drop dead. <laughs> yeah, that was that was how it ended. Okay, and. And every, nobody else was affected by it except for one spell, or not spell, I'm sorry, one power, which was called my, uh, uh, Psychic Blast or something like that, Mind Blast, and which was considered to be shocking news, is how they was described it. And it was the only thing that could be used against a normal person, someone who was not, uh, who had no psionic powers. Oh, I remember that, yeah, right. way, way many ages ago, yes. And anybody who had that, of course, was basically doing a power word stun on everybody around them that was a target, and it was a great thing to have. But since you rolled these powers randomly, a lot of people didn't get that. So they had these other powers, and it was just something that was there, okay? Then then later on, they tried, as you said, they tried to come out with uh, psionic handbooks, you have psionic characters, and yep. things like that. But, you know, and and I agree, Jonathan, that that you know, if, if all their abilities were individual and separate and not the same, you know, as as anything that was in the book for the other races, uh, other classes, I would say that's a good thing because it is creating something unusual. Because you know, there are lots of games out there. You know, D and D's one Tritex systems. Uh, originally, these were very weak powers, uh, and then. You know, when they came out with the uh, 1992 edition of all the different games, they basically all had. If you looked, uh, if you looked in the psionic and magic section, they it was a lot of overlap. Yeah, okay, not not 100 yeah. percent, not 100 percent for sure. But the point, but you know, they both had cry, you know, cryokinesis. They both had, you know. Uh, and all, all the, the all the elements, cryo. To a know. certain extent, the two could impersonate each other. Yeah. Right, right. And and I never liked that for that very reason, because I said, well, you know, your powers should, you know, reflect something unique about it. Otherwise, you know, you know, the difference was where you got it. OK. Yeah. And and um, 
So, uh, and also power levels because uh, the uh, we'll we'll get to that a little bit later with how magic and psionics are different. Okay. So, but for now, okay, let's talk about where where does psionic power come from? If you go say, hey, we're going to have psionics and it's going to be a thing and we're going to define it, okay, so that it's cool and people are going to want to play it and but at the same time we're going to give the you know the characters protection so you don't have someone who says hi i'm bob the uh uh the mongus priest psionicist <laughs> you know and you and, and which was so common in third edition of D, &D <laughs> with all the all the different classes front-loaded you know? <laughs> so where where does uh psionics come from uh, uh jonathan to, to me and my personal taste, at the very least, I think psionics, the most bare-bone definition is special effects triggered by mental willpower. No, no, I don't mean that. I mean, you know, why does someone have it when they didn't have, when, when nobody had oh, it okay. before? Um, you know, when it first appears in the world, what is the, what is the origin for it? Oh, kind of depends on the setting. But in general, what I like is, um, well, like, just a natural evolution of a species, usually human. Right. Very common in the 1930s on was this concept that having embraced the idea that there is such a thing as evolution, uh, that we are getting better and better uh, at, at being humans. And sooner or later, you know, we're going to unlock vast abilities, you know, uh, you know, by just getting the right, um, DNA hooking together. Maybe some of those unknown sections of the DNA are going to activate. You know, maybe something's going to happen that you know there's a there's this thing called uh, uh, a recombinant DNA that happens naturally, where DNA strands basically braid over each other, break and reform, and you can actually have genes transfer from one pair of nucleotides to another pair of nucleotides. This 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 happens a lot of time. Most of the time, that just causes someone to die. It causes the the offspring not to survive, or at the very but least, that one cell to to not to keep going. Well, we're talking about the the germ cells. Oh, okay, right? okay. So we're saying what what would have been a person doesn't happen because they just broke their genome, and in and not in a good way, right? So, but it brought the the possibility that maybe there was a combinations of genes that that haven't happened yet but could happen okay, either intentionally or by accident and it would grant powers far beyond what you know uh we think is what we think is possible and uh up till now and there's and one of the main reasons for this is legends legends and lore of people who had amazing abilities far beyond those of mortal men you know, and you're like, well, if, if 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 we are to believe that there is a kernel of truth in this story, that such a person existed, then how could they do the things that they do? And so one of the things, ideas was, well, maybe this happened accidentally, and may, but, but maybe, you know, in the future, this is going to happen to a large group of people, and we're going to get a whole new homo superiorus. You know, uh, like pure happenstance made the right combination happen once, but then it kind of got diluted from that person's, if they even had offspring, but maybe in the future we'll, we'll right. be able to hit on that combination again more often. Yeah. It also has the, some people think that the nature has a plan. 
Okay, evolution is intentional. Yep. So, and and there's a lot of bad things that have happened as a result of that. Okay, but you know, but there's also the idea that good things could happen as a result of that. So, you know, our brains keep getting bigger, you know, and 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 such. So you can uh, make the argument that you know human evolution has been a, a progression towards better and better tool use. Yeah. What better way to use a tool than with your brain alone? Maybe. Turn, okay. turn your brain into a tool. Right. So anyway, so evolution. Yeah. The idea that at a certain point, these abilities are going to become common. I mean, or at least it's going to start happening in, in large enough groups that, that uh, you know, in, in increasingly larger groups. Sure. Okay. So evolution. Right. Um, Travis, Trav, what's the other, what's the, another possibility? Well, and I'm, oh God, the mass effect race, the ones that all look female. I'm blanking on their name. Yeah, I, okay, I, I know that Laira is is the name of the main. They're the Asari. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah. The Mass Effect fanboy over here. I know it. It's Asari. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't yeah? Didn't they? What was it? Didn't they have the biotics? That was their thing, and so they can mate and. Yeah, they were naturally. Other people could empathic get at the very to, least. To, yeah, like biotics were kind of the uh, their their their. their flavor texting of psionics yeah 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 Yeah. but didn't the asari when they mate with others to you know randomize their genes it was an empathic connection yeah 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 but i mean that basically involving genetics from other races and yeah you could also do i mean if you want to do that you know not just the natural method but also gene splicing would that fall into basically you're getting Non-human DNA to merge with that, and with that, new abilities come out. Right. If there is another alien race out there, okay, or a forgotten race, you know, the you know the other human race, or something like that, you know, uh, as a result of a time slip or anything else like that, and uh, and you you're able to basically produce a non-mule offspring, an offspring that can also, you know. That isn't children. sterile, yeah. Okay, isn't not sterile. mule, yeah. Yeah, isn't like, sterile. And uh, so you're bringing this entirely, well, not entirely, but so you're bringing a novel genome and you're mixing it with human genome. You know, there's the, the, the possibilities seem ripe for unexpected abilities to emerge. That was kind so, of the, um, the gist of the Assassin's Creed franchise was... Uh, all of the assassins and Templars, their special abilities came from being de- de- descended from the ancients. Okay, yeah. And of course, in a fantasy setting, you know, uh, mating with dragons, mating with demons, mating with whatever, you know, it's just, they, they you know, depending upon uh, your game, and in my particular D&D game, I said that anything could mate with anything else. Okay, it just wasn't natural for them to do so. So therefore, cross species type things were either a result of an of a of a compulsion of some kind, or because intelligent people just fi- happened to find somebody else interesting enough to want to have offspring with. So, uh, so yes, other races could, and then and and D and D basically used that as the basis for, uh, you know, uh, some of the classes, sorcerer. You know, yeah, you, the bloodlines. Yeah, exactly. You have, yeah, you just um, innately know how to cast this spell. Was the well, idea? 
yeah, with with the original, well, with three O, yeah, there was just and in Pathfinder they just go, oh, you have the arcane bloodline. Somehow magic seeped into your genetics, and you're basically like an X Man mutant. It's an inborn ability, a mutation. But also the mating with the other races, you have bloodlines like aberrant, fey, draconic, and that means sometime in your distant past. There was a liaison, and now you bear the fruits of it, as in you have these abilities. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, likewise, you know, with psionics, you know, that's usually also, they would say that, you know, because of the genetics, you know, they're uh, uh, this, this dis- disparate, but not too disparate, joining with another race produces offspring with powers beyond those of more men so anyways um that so but then you also mentioned things like gene therapy yeah or a a modified uh, or i i listed three different possibilities here gene therapy or a modified clone or a cerebral parasite which is three totally different things really but we'll, we'll 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 get into it so gene therapy where you you have this idea that this combination of genes has never happened before but you know, AI tells you, you know, because it can do calculations on a level no human can, that interesting things happen when you put the genes together in the sequence. And we can do that with things like CRISPR and other things. And so hey, wait, and what? CRISPR. Never heard CRISPR, of that. CRISPR is a, uh, uh, is a genetic toolkit that allows you to snip genes from one source and plug it into a destination it it's almost like a custom custom viruses that alter your dna yeah retroviruses okay okay yeah. right kind well, of the like point that, is, is that it's you know, that's how that's how it does it but the essential essentially what it does is it takes genes from one from a donor okay you know and and, and then it places it in another one either replacing the ones that were there or just adding them on top of what's already there so, okay, yeah, I just was, to me, a CRISPR is where you put vegetables and you find them a month later going, oh, that's where I put that celery. And I, yeah. I had the exact yeah. same, re- yeah. I had yeah. the exact same <laughs> reaction when I first heard the term. It's, a, it's, a, it's an ana, anagram, analog. Yeah. Uh, acronym? A, acronym, yeah, it's an acronym. I just can't remember what all the letters stand for. Yeah. <laughs> that's one idea. Just basically, we're going to go and we're going to change you. You know, much like the Outer Limits episode where they actually took a guy and changed him into an alien. Uh, they, they, they had the original Outer Limits, and then when they did the new Outer Limits, uh, they took uh, uh, Clancy Brown and changed him into this alien, you know, and uh, where he then meets up with the other aliens. And they say, yeah, he says, you know, come join us. These humans hate you. <laughs> We're your family now. And he just and he goes off with them. It's. Yeah, because they were they were hoping he would like bridge the two cultures and they treated him so uh, badly that the aliens said, yeah, this is a test to see whether or not we could we could form a bridge. But obviously, look at the way they treated you. We don't want anything to do with these humans. Come on. You belong with us. <laughs> so I'd, like, I'd ask I'd ask if they made him look like a crab. And then I don't know if it you know, would be a SpongeBob joke. So, you know. uh, I was thinking he, the same he, thing. He definitely, he definitely looked like an alien. That's oh, by the okay. end of it. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, so the, you know the idea of uh, you know that kind of stuff, you know, is, is a possibility. All right. Um, there's uh, uh, in the Proteus Manifest, or are these books called Proteus This or That? 
the, they actually use biofeedback to uh, to force the body to change uh, into other forms. You know, you could change. You know, it could be taller, shorter, bulkier, not. You could even change to other animal like animal types. Uh, you know, like. Well, you could you could become like a, a horse if you wanted to. Okay, lots of people wanted to change to be like bird-like so they could fly. But of course, wow. what they said was is that yeah, but the problem is is that you have a very short lifespan as a bird, so it's not really a good thing to do. So, and they in the story they actually run across some aliens, and they manage to figure out a way of becoming one of them. And of course, they're superior to humans in all possible ways. So though they don't look like humans at all. And that's one of the big things in the story is what do we do? How do we keep people remaining human, you know, when they there's another there's another form they could take that's completely alien to, to humanity, but it's better. But uh, another possibility is the modified clone, which is where they basically take a, a clone of you um, and they alter it to be like the perfect you. You know the 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 you without all you know, get rid of all the junk DNA, you know, uh, and everything else, and then you end up with this idealized, you know, Apollyan version of yourself. Okay, and you know, and which may have powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, which was the entire basis for uh, the uh, Miracle Man, Marvel Man uh, comic series uh that was uh started that, the t taken over uh, by alan moore yeah yes. okay it's a british comic yeah it I was a british comic they yeah. brought it they called it um they called it marvel man in britain but when they brought it over to america american copyright said no yep. no miracle man. marvel yep. man we yep. have you know we, uh, marvel said no so they call they changed his name to Miracle Man. Same character, same storyline, whatever. Okay, and that was and the only thing was is that they put this this device in the original person's head that allowed him to switch his mind into this this uh, per perfected body. And when he did that, of course, there was a big transfer of energy and so on and so forth, big explosion, and suddenly you know he the, the original was gone is actually being hidden in another dimension and the new body is is there and he and the person thinks they're, they're the same person just all of a sudden you know i'm i'm superman i got all these incredible powers okay and i would argue that the powers that they were exhibiting were all psionic powers because you know they it made they themselves it didn't make you know they were still human so therefore they're not tougher than they were before their muscles can't possibly lift a building like Superman. Okay, uh, a bunch of other things are not, you know, this, you know, are not possible, you know. But if you throw in these psychic powers like levitation, like um, uh, psychic shielding, other things like that, then it makes sense that you're wearing your normal clothing, you know, and someone you know basically fires a missile at you it explodes you might get blown back a little bit from the explosion but everything's fine even your clothing hasn't been damaged so it makes more sense to say that than to say hey i have all these powers how come my clothes don't get damaged right 
you know. It's and yeah, it's like the Superman thing they came up with. I think post crisis, where oh, he has this millimeter field around his skin, which you know not only protects him but his clothing, and that's why yeah, the costume is fine. The cape from his neck is in tatters, but the yeah. costume is untouched. Yeah, I I like yeah. better when it was just they they made his costume from the blankie that that yeah yep wrapped him in when she sent him on on that trip to to Earth, and and so there's only like one. Yeah, so he has one suit, <laughs> one super suit. It's invulnerable, just like he is, because it's from Krypton. Yeah. So yeah, I prefer that, but that's me. All right. Um, and I threw in this cerebral parasite thing with the idea being that uh, maybe you've got like this being, you know, that is psychic itself, and it's living inside your mind. It's living inside your you know, um, the nerve synapses and things like that. And it has these abilities and you, and you don't really, but you're now a kind of a, a synergy between the two of you. And so now you have these abilities. I think that's honestly the plot of the, the new Baldur's Gate three coming out on, oh, is on it? PC. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you're, you're kidnapped by uh, mind flayers and they put the cerebral tadpole in your head and you have a limited amount of time. Yeah. Until you become you know, a mind flare. I'm sure Chekhov was really hoping that that thing that was going in his ear was going to give him superpowers mm, because unfortunately it not. didn't. <laughs> Gave him nothing but pain. Uh, okay. All right. So uh, the fourth idea was weird science induction. Okay. And and uh, Bureau 13 uh, had a whole list of, of things that could possibly generate yep. psychic power. I remember. And, and this was one of them, you know, where you get hit with unusual energies or you have some kind of weird thing. You know, you're put through this strange energy chamber or whatever. You 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 get basically pushed through dimensions or something. And suddenly you 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 these powers have been induced in you, you know, and you now have psychic powers, you know, uh, or, you know, psionics. Uh, when before you, know, you 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 didn't have this ability at all, and you and you'd have to learn what you can do now and and such because they manifest themselves, you know, um, accidentally, and you're like, I didn't know I could, you know, drill a hole through the wall with my eye, <laughs> or you know, if I sing a certain note, suddenly all everything that's you know anything that's made out of a particular kind of material shatters around me, you know. How am I doing that? I don't know. It, it can't be just my voice. Yeah. So anyways, that's that's weird science induction, you know, where just basically something is done to you. But afterwards, you're just you're basically yourself, but changed. You know, you have a run in with some strange alien engineer who put stuff in your head. Well, that's yeah. that's, that's different. <laughs> OK, then the, the last thing on my list, which is weird science device. OK. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's where you see the person, they've got like this headset on with these these big circles on the end of the metals and they're over different spots on their, their skull, okay? And they suddenly have powers, you know? And they're and you, you take the device off, they don't have, they can't do it anymore. Put it back on, okay, now I'm powerful again. The, okay. the psychic amplifier. Or just, it, it just, you know, it creates circuits where there were not circuits before, you know, and you can now do stuff that you couldn't do before. And, and maybe it does some of the, uh, does the heavy lifting for you. I, I don't know, but you know, it's, it's, uh, but there are 
there are plenty of stories and, co and certainly comics that have weird science devices that give people powers like that that are not still not supposed to be considered to be magical. Okay, they're just, you know, it's still the possibilities were always there. They're just connect, literally connecting the dots. It's physics we haven't discovered yet, that's all. Right, well, that's that's another thing. They In, in, in the uh, Skylark of Space series back from the 1940s by uh, Edward Doc Smith, uh, he uh, he basically. Oh, the uh, guy who created Lensman. Okay, I've heard. Yes, of him. indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes. In, the, in the fourth book, they basically get together with women who call themselves witches, uh, and they have the and they combine together, doing things a certain way, are able to exhibit galaxy class powers. And I say galaxy class because what they do is they literally grab suns from one galaxy and toss them into another galaxy to basically blow up the solar systems of bad, bad aliens. So, and, 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 and they look at their, them and it says, okay, so how do you do this? And he says, all we have are our traditions and our, and, and, and the ways that we do things. Maybe someday somebody like you will actually sit down and work out the science behind what we do, and then everybody will be able to do this for the benefit of all humans everywhere. But for now, it's just us. <laughs> and, and, how, and we just do things the way we do things. You know, mother to daughter, you know, uh, sometimes jumping from grandmother, great-grandmother to daughter you know, uh, granddaughter. So, uh, so in a, in a, in a, in a, in basically a, a book that was pretty much pure science in the fourth book, he goes way off <laughs> into that. And that's completely separate from all the stuff that they do in the Lensman series, which again is, is big on psych psychic power of psionics and such using a device called the lens, which is a gift from a, a vastly, older and 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 more developed alien race uh that gave human beings originally the ability just to read minds but later on a lot more abilities as time went on that makes me think of um uh Crichton's uh sphere although that might be more of a an, a, an induction but it was a some alien device that if you found a way to enter it you would come out with the ability to bend reality usually not Consciously, that like which is the problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So it. So so we talked about these. Okay, let's compare them to, you know, the usual way that magic happens. Okay, and and you know, so the first the first one, uh, I'll just jump in there. It says uh, granted by higher or lower powers. They just give you these abilities, like you know, like you put on a new shirt, you know, and you now have them. You know the power to you know create fireballs or teleport or whatever you know. Here's another tool for your toolbox. Yeah, and you know, and of course they're not granted by you know uh, humans or anything else. It's, it's literally being granted by these higher or lower though. You know, you know, lower usually mean demonic, but it could also be completely alien. Could, you know, it's, it it could it could be for example a god of this world. You know, uh, Gaius, you know, is it Gaius or Gaia? Like Supposedly, the Earth Mother, Gaia. Yeah, Gaia, right. So, you know, it's it's granted by a higher or lower power. So you now have this power and, and you know, to do it, okay? You know, 
So what's another way that magic is granted to somebody? Well, something kind of similar to, to psionics is if you, you know, have a human breed with a magical creature. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, you know, even more plausible than, than uh, you know, than, than, than the psionic one, you know, you mate with a, a bee, a, another bee that has magic, you get some. You know, your, your, your children will be blessed, right? They'll be of the blood. Of the blood. Okay. Travis? Trav? Uh, let's see. Another way of magic. Um, secret words like true names or words of power like, uh, I believe the storyteller system uses that where you link up words and the more words you link up, the more powerful the spell will be. Okay. And yeah. true naming is another one where it's like, oh, a dog. Well, in the true name language, dog would be this. Fire would be this. Rain mm -hmm. would be this. And yeah, using words in one way or another, either in conjunction or words of a different language. Right. So Almost like the cheat code to the universe. Right. The reality basically has certain sounds that evoke you know, basically trigger, tr you know, trigger the flow of power. Yeah. Okay. And, in, and therefore just by saying certain words, you can cause fire to, you know, and, and, uh, can, to appear and, and, and you, you know, and by the way you enunciate or whatever, or the direction in which you say the word, you know, the power flows in that direction. So, you know, you, uh, you, you basically become what I, I refer to as an encanter. You know, someone okay, who yeah. uses words, just words. You know, and of course, D&D &D has power word stun, power word kill, power word sleep. One word, you say it, boom. You know, it, it, the, the effect goes off and affects according to the description. Uh, but um, uh, there was, I've, I've read some, some books, uh, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Dilvish the Damned, where he goes into hell, he learns either some spells or some, some words while he's down there, you know, the, uh, and, and when he returns to earth, he can't use any of them because if he does, it'll destroy the planet. Ouch. It's that powerful. <laughs> so he's like, and so he ends up having to trick lesser beings uh, into doing stuff for him, you know, uh, because they have powers, they, they, they have magical abilities and special abilities that can do magical effects that he can't even approach because he's so overwhelming. Um, uh, is it Black Bolt in the Inhumans, where if he if if he if he says something, it basically just destroys everything in front of him, like you know one of those unbelievably powerful anime blasts. His speech yeah. is so powerful; it's like a sonic blast if he even whispers. Yeah, he, he whispers and he could blow a house down. Yeah, right. Yeah. The only time he, I, I've ever seen him able to really let loose was when he, he basically did it to Dazzler, who has the ability to transmute sound into light, and uh, she basically yeah. absorbed it all on a very temporary basis so that she could go into a black hole, and her light that was being produced from that overcharging by the black bolt was able to basically resist the incredible you know uh, gravity racking powers of the black yeah. hole so she could get something that was lost in the black hole and bring it back out again you know so 
we're talking we're talking galaxy class powers here. So, yeah. You know, and of course, once she came out, she, it was just she had just enough power to get out, and then of course she was back to normal. So it's like, and I was like, wow. I mean, that's you know, it, it's like. It's like being an elderly uh, uh, operist who used to sing just amazingly, and now all you can do is croak out a few few uh, lullabies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, she seemed to be fine. Uh, the, 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 they played her character as if she was fine with it. But anyways, it's like... <laughs> but yeah, okay, so sounds can, can do it. Secret words can, can do it, Okay. Uh, but, of course, the way that you're supposed to learn magic, everybody knows this. If you've read any of the legends, okay, is it's the result of painstaking research over a vast period of time. You know, you're usually an old dude by the time you're good at it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And D&D, what's the lowest age you could be as a spellcaster in first edition D&D? Oh, jeez. Ooh, first edition, I don't know. Yeah. 35. Oh, okay. 35 was the youngest you could be because you just it took that long to just figure it out. Later on, they did they, they removed that age restriction. So you could be an 18-year-old casting the same spells that a 35-year-old used yeah. to be able to you know, used to have to work at. So it was supposed to be an arduous that not everybody was capable of doing. That you had, you know, that there were that some spells require you to be a genius even to be able to conceive of them. You know, and you could theoretically activate spells on a scroll if you were weak, uh, of a lesser ability, but there was a good chance of it backfiring on you. Yeah, scroll so, mishaps. Yeah, yeah. Right, and uh, and in the in the Master of the Five Magics um, by Hardy, uh, he actually segmented out magic into five different types of magic. Uh, you had um, uh, alchemy. You had source, uh, which was making substances and liquids uh, as a result of following exact exacting procedures. Okay, but in a relatively short period of time, you know. Um, uh, and then there was sorcery, not sorcery. Um, 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 I think it's well. Okay, yeah, I guess it's sorcery. I, I, but that was the ability to uh, impress your mind. Your not your mind, but your dom. Basically, it was domination. It was uh, on another creature and force them to be your servant. And okay. So they, they would they would summon up, you know, like a uh, you know a, a lower level demon or something like that, and they would force it to to be their slave. Okay, that was the second kind. Okay, and then there was wizard, you know, wizardry, which were what we would call the the, the magicians, and those people had elaborate ceremonies and uh, ritualists they were rich, very ritual you know, yeah very specialized materials purified this purified that and uh but the end result was they they were able to produce the really powerful artifacts in that culture so in the story he basically shows up on the uh, on the wizard school and they're doing this thing that looks like a Virginia, uh, well, I was going to say a Virginia reel, as if any of our audience knows what uh, <laughs> knows what square dancing is. Uh, okay, so some kind of elaborate uh, performance thing where people are interacting with each other, running around, not 
ringing bells here, banging that over there, lighting up some flames, whatever. And then finally, when it was all over, you know, this one guy, you know, holding this ring in, in a silver pair of pliers and a platinum hammer goes ding. And they're like, and they're like, two more times and we'll have a ring of protection. How long is that going to take? Oh, next time we can do it is in about 20 years because, you know, the, the stars have to be aligned. Uh, yeah. So having magic items in that particular story like, was amazingly powerful. That was so that's uh, that's three. And there's two. There's two more that I can't even think of. I'm sorry. But anyways, it had everything very, very segmented. And the thing was, is that it was it was it wasn't like you could learn the other kind, because that's the whole point of the book is this one guy becomes master of all the five magics. OK. They wouldn't allow it. They were like, no, nobody can learn our secrets. No, no. You know, that's, you know, that, you know, I'm a wizard. I do this and I don't do that stuff with reagents and, and stuff. And I don't go over there beating on demon brains or whatever. No, I'm a wizard. And the, other, and the, and of course, the alchemists are like, we, you know, we don't do that silly running around and hitting rings with silver with platinum hammers business. We give it we give us the right reagents and the right materials and we can make you a, a, a jolly good filter of love. You know, and 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 that's good that's that's a good proper you know way of, of being a uh, you know being a magic user. So you know that in that book they had some serious character protection going on. You know, much better more, I don't say better, much more than uh, they would have in, you know, like, like say most other systems, including D&D, okay? Uh, much closer to like first edition, okay? Where literally you could, different people could, they did different things. They could not do the other people's stuff unless they learned, you know, their entire way of doing things, okay? So, you know, and the main character is essentially third edition D&D where he's basically, he's front, he's front thought, uh, filling off, uh, all these every level he's taking a new class and front getting it always all the abilities front loaded into him so finally by the end of the story he he could do some really amazing things so uh but i'm just saying that's you know they that's how they did it they it was still magic because it still took enormous amounts of study and you had to use special materials and reagents and various things you know to to achieve your ends and your ends were very specified. You know, you, I mean, I would say probably the alchemists and the wizards had the, the most flexibility because they were, you know, they were trying to create items. Okay. But, um, uh, but still, you know, very, very specific, no generalization, no, no cross pollination. They, they not only didn't want it, it was illegal. <laughs> so, uh, so our, our our hero in in that book had to hide the fact that he actually could do these things, you know, from each other. Though he, it, it, at one point, in it, he actually did uh, use some uh, uh, some abilities from the other classes to actually make some things better, things that he shouldn't have been able to do. So, uh, which is you know cool when you're writing a story, not not necessarily uh, so cool when you're designing a game world, right? Okay. So that was uh, uh, that was the result of painstaking research over a vast period of time. Okay, uh, the next one was like weird magic device. Jonathan, can you give me an example of that? 
the first thing when I hear weird magic devices, like the first thing that comes to mind is the Ring of Power. Well, yeah. Oh, Lord of the Rings business? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was a ring that gave you magical effects. And presumably, if you were Sauron and it was your ring, you could do other things with it. Well, what could you do with it besides turn invisible and apparently dominate, make other people unable to use their rings? What else could you do with it? Uh, I think those are the only two that came to mind. Okay. Yeah, I don't recall any other. Yeah. Yeah. The Hobbit boy couldn't couldn't use it to dominate other ring bearers. Right. No. We assume that Gal- uh, Galadriel, you know, used the ring for that she got for you know stuff. <laughs> I yeah, mean, some of the yeah. things that we see her do in the War of the Rings, you know, especially the the Hobbit when she's like doing doing stuff uh, against uh, Sauron in his necromancer form. So I mean, I'm, it, it's supposedly at least supercharged her in some yeah. ways. And I mean, if you uh, if I remember correctly, the 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 game they made where you play a ranger possessed by the the spirit of Celebrimbor. You and you end up making a second ring of power. It, I think, it had some effects, but I never finished that game, so I couldn't tell you what all those effects were. Okay, well, fair enough. You know, that's a ma- weird magic device. That was certainly a weird magic device. Uh, how about you, Travis? I would say for weird magic device, basically, like again, you know, like a, a magic staff or boots of teleport or whatever, you know, just some magic item you wear that gives you some ability. That would be, yeah, the, usually the wizard with the staff, he may already have power, but the staff is like, it, it kicks him up to the next level and he can do things that normally he's not going to be able to do. Okay. And well, all those miscellaneous magic items in D and D, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wondrous items, armor that, yeah. Wands, flying carpets, Right. Yeah. Actually, I got. I mean, I've got an example. Although I, I previously used it as an example for psionics, but again, the sphere from Michael Crichton's book. When you used this device, you gained essentially magical powers. Uh huh. And there didn't seem to be any limit except your subconscious's imagination. Okay. Uh, how about the um uh, uh the the arm. The armband watch, whatever you want to call it, in Ben 10. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Wow. He literally, he he goes and does whatever, and he turns into an alien with alien abilities, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, At first, he thinks he's got a limited selection, and he can only pick from these few, but yeah, they all have unique abilities and unique traits. Right. I think something around like 99 different aliens before you you run out of slots on the keypad. Or but he only ever, I think, only ever found six or seven in the first season from what I right. remember of it. Right. He just didn't know how to access the other tabs. Yeah. Uh, I remember a comic which was called Dial H for Hero. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, a little, had a little phone dial. You just would dial H-E-R-O and it would change you into something crazy you know yeah you always always conveniently hero yeah yeah it always conveniently yeah each time you were a different thing and uh but it was always conveniently helpful because <laughs> it was a comic you know comic book so yeah um yeah i was actually thinking about some of the artifacts like you know the 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 hand and eye of vecna but uh those are kind of like the 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 wands and the staves where 
you know, they may have abilities, magical abilities inside them, you know, uh, but they they usually only and and they and the big advantage is that it you know like the the eye of Vecna you put it in you gain the ability to cast those spells that are in them, okay, and the other effects that are randomly generated when the GM rolls up the item. So you know, and it works for anybody who plucks out an eyeball and 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 sticks the new one in. And you same know. with the hand. You there and you and we folks. We if you dealt with the eye and hand of Vecna in your games, you always had that one player who was more than willing to have his character lose a left hand and a left eye to get them. You we all did back in the day. <laughs> Just right. <laughs> Somebody was that chaos monkey and would do right. it. And then, of course, you know, at nights of the dinner table, they 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 run the changes on that when they went and cut off their hands, you know, because they were fighting over who got it. Then they realized that they cut off their right hands, and it's a left hand. And you got two left hands now, and you're yeah yeah. yeah. Well, they no, they would it wouldn't plug in. Oh yeah, yeah. Like okay, so now we're gonna have to cut off our other hands <laughs> to get it in, and and the whole. You know the whole whack, the whole wackiness of of doing it offhanded now, literally offhanded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so that was that was a great issue. You know, and, and of course we we've heard the jokes over the years about yes, we discovered the head of Vecta. <laughs> oh, I want that. <laughs> Never mind, it turns you neutral evil, and you get you know. Of oh course yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, I, no. I can you know it's it's. It's like it's like a teenage girl with a bet with a with you know with a uh, a, a delinquent boyfriend. I can fix him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm more powerful than a hand, hand of a yeah. god or a demigod. Okay, yeah, you have yeah. Fun. depending on the edition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so weird magic device, you know. And then the last thing I have is is that, um, you know, your magic actually you you know, actually. It does. You don't have it, okay? It actually comes from another creature that's made a pact with you and casts magic for you, but you get the credit. So it could be like a familiar, or it could be like an invisible buddy, your magical girl kid, mascot, or a magical cerebral parasite, <laughs> or you know, or uh, in um, kill, uh, uh, kill a kill. It's the uniform. <laughs> Your magical clothes. Your magical clothes. That basically. always shred and leave they're only They're intelligent. Bare. Yeah. They're in yeah, never mind that. They're intelligent, <laughs> okay? And therefore, they help you be what you need to be, you know? And, and, and that's, you know, it's, it, it, it's, not, it's not just a device, you know, it, it actually is something that is rooting for you, hopefully, you know? And which could be just so hysterically funny. You know, uh, people hate intelligent swords and things like that, but really, intelligent swords are are, are just just a stitch in anime. So, so, okay, so that's where magic. So you, so we can see that you know there does seem to be some differences between them. You know, as far as the concept of magic, of, of how you get magic versus psychic powers. Okay. All right, uh, and we will have uh, more discussion about this, but you're going to have to wait until next week. So until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying 
There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.